0: Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries, bringing you another podcast from the Pastor Study, Biblical Lessons in the Battlefield of Life, from a retired pastor of 45 years who was saved after serving as a Staff Sergeant Airborne Ranger in Vietnam. My testimony is shared in podcast number one. It's my desire to share with you lessons the Lord has taught me over my years of living as a Christian and serving as a pastor. These podcasts are intended to whet your appetite for further Bible study. They'll be short, 20 to 30 minutes, and having your Bible and something to jot down notes might be helpful. If you have any questions, you can contact me by email. It is masitofhm at gmail.com. That's M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M at gmail.com. Today, I'd like to continue in a passage of scripture that we started in our last podcast, number five. Jesus appears to call a 13th disciple in Mark chapter 10, but this rich young ruler, rather than following Jesus, walks away grieved. His misconceptions kept him from salvation. But this passage also clarifies some misconceptions of the disciples and especially Peter. Those are what we're going to look at today. So we're going to pick it up. The Rich Young Rulers passage starts in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. We covered that in session 5. And now we're going to pick it up at verse 23 and go down to verse 31. You're first of all going to see the misconceptions of the disciples. And then secondly, you'll see the misconceptions of Peter. Remember the word misconception means a view or opinion that is incorrect because it is based on faulty thinking or understanding. And Jesus clears these misconceptions up. Let's begin reading now in Mark chapter 10, verse 23. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, but with God, for all, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but that they shall receive, verse 30, a hundredfold, now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Our Father, we've opened our Bibles, and now we pray that through this prayer we'll open our hearts and that your Spirit would do a work in us that we can understand what you're teaching us through this portion of Scripture. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we have the 13th disciple, and this is uh, found in Mark chapter 10. Looked last time at verses 17 through 22. Remember we said the 13th disciple because verse 21 that Jesus says to this rich young ruler, Follow me. And yet in verse 22, and he was sad at the saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And it was this man trusting in his riches that was hindering him from coming to know the Lord. There were three misconceptions of the rich young man. I'll just give them to you briefly. It says that we said last week, Jesus is more than just the teacher, he is God. That comes from Verse eight, 17 and 18. Secondly, salvation is more than just keeping the law. That comes from verses 19 through 20. And thirdly, obedience is more than just e- external actions uh, and conformity. It's actually an inward attitude and a repentant spirit. Yes, the rich young ruler led an exemplary life, there's no question about that, but he lacked eternal life because he was trusting in uncertain riches more than he was trusting the Lord. That's why the Lord told him, go and sell and give and follow me and things will be right. But he went away very grieved because he had such great possessions. Now, after that conversation with the rich young ruler, the disciples begin to talk with Jesus in verse 23 and we see three misconceptions they have. And what is the misconception of the disciples first of all? Well, it's found in verse 23. Possession of great wealth is not always a sign of God's blessing. Possession of great wealth is not always a sign of God's blessing. You must remember that in the Jewish mind, they thought that having riches meant they were spiritually right with God. You might say they thought riches brought happiness and meant happiness. But riches can be deceitful. Listen to what he says in verse 23 of Mark chapter 10. And Jesus looked round about, And saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now, when you think about riches, God isn't against them. Abraham, for example, was very rich. Uh, David, Solomon were very rich. Job was very rich and then became very poor, but God made him rich again but in the new testament christ himself had no place to lay his head his disciples didn't have much remember actually peter says later on silver and gold have i none in the book of acts but such as i have i give unto you so you can't correlate possessions with the idea of being right with god that's what's being brought out in this verse how hardly shall they that have riches Enter into the kingdom of God, because the riches can oftentimes be an obstacle and blind people to the need of Christ, give them a false assurance, thinking they're okay with God, when actually they need to be saved. That's what we looked at last time in verses 17 through 22. That was the problem with the rich young ruler that was holding him back from salvation. Prosperity gospel tells us that the more you have, the closer you're with God. That's really not holding up with the scripture that we just read here, is it? There's a second misconception that is covered in these verses of the disciples, and they are in verse 24 and 25. Possession of great wealth may deceive one in the thinking he's right with God. Possession of great wealth may deceive one in the thinking he's right with God. Listen to verse 24 and 25, Mark 10. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that, listen to the key here, trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Yes, possession of great wealth may deceive one in the thinking he is right with God. When you take a look at this verse, I I need to go back with you just a little bit to two other gospel passages. The first one is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. And remember, the Lord is talking about the sower and the seed, and he's talking about seed being sown among the thorns. And listen to what he says in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 13. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. You can also see this in Mark if you look at chapter 4, just a few pages before chapter 10. And in chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, uh, we read these words And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and he become unfruitful. So you can see what we're learning here in this second misconception is possession of great wealth may deceive one in the thinking he's right with God. Now, that's not a new concept. In the book of Revelation, for example, when uh, John writes about the seven churches under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you remember the church at Laodicea had this very issue in their lives. It says, for example, in Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning, and the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, now here's what they believed, and here's what they felt in Laodicea. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? See, riches can be deceitful. And if we're not careful, we can recognize that riches can cause someone to be deceived into thinking they're saved right with God when they're really not right with God. And riches often can be so cumbered about, like a camel, for example, full of its goods, trying to get through the eye of a needle, or trying to get through the gate of a city. It just seems like it won't fit. It seems impossible. And yet we recognize that it's not impossible for rich people to be saved. That's the third misconception. The first one of the disciples, possession of great wealth, is not always a sign of God's blessing. Secondly, Possession of great wealth may deceive one in the thinking he's right with God. But thirdly, possession of great wealth does not automatically eliminate one from salvation. Listen to what the disciples say in verse 26 and 27, following what Jesus just taught about the riches. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. The truth of the matter is that riches do not need to hinder us from coming to know the Lord, but there's a danger that riches can deceive us in the thinking everything's okay and not follow or depend on the Lord. Worsby, in his commentary on this passage of scripture, says this, It is good to have the things money can buy, provided that you don't lose the things that money can't buy. And many people trust in riches and think, I've got all of these different things. Everything is fine, only to die without Christ and find themselves in a hell for eternity. You know, there's a philosophy about money that I think Christians should be holding to, And that philosophy is given to us in the book of Proverbs chapter 31. If I could summarize it in two verses, it would be verse 8 and 9. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. And listen to what it says. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Um, Excuse me, this is Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. I think I just said 31. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Now, why does the writer say I just need not to be rich and I need not to be poor? The answer is given in verse 9. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Isn't that a great philosophy for a Christian regarding riches? Lord, don't necessarily make me rich. And if he does make you rich, 1 Timothy 6 tells us, it's so that we can distribute to those who have need. And Lord, don't make me poor. And But Lord, give me what's convenient. And help me to be able to be content with what I have and use it wisely for thee. So let's go back now to Mark chapter 10. And we've covered those three misconceptions. The misconception of disciples after this conversation with the rich young ruler was possession of great wealth is not always a sign of God's blessing. Be careful there. Possession of great wealth may deceive one in the thinking he's right with God. Be careful there. And then remember, possession of great wealth does not automatically eliminate one from salvation. You know, there's no question in my mind and probably not any question in your mind either, that the prosperity that is enjoyed by the United States of America has led to the the misconception that everything's right with God. Well, now we're facing a lack of some of those riches and we're facing some real economic issues. And now people are beginning to say, we need to be turning to God and asking God to help us with our need and help us with our country. And that is ever so true. You see, the idea of the misconception about riches is this. Just because we have them doesn't mean we don't need God. And so we need to depend on him, even if we're one of the richest nations in the world. I did a little checking on this, and I asked the question, what is the richest nation in the world? And I was surprised because... uh, um, there's Qatar is the richest nation in the world, they have a gross national income of 94,000 plus dollars per person, and the U.S. is actually number nine in riches with 63,700 plus in gross national income. But I think that we learn when you go to a co- country that's impoverished, oftentimes, which has nothing just barely knows where they're going to get their food for the day and very bare shelter and maybe one or two sets of clothes of that, you'll find they're often very receptive to the gospel because they're not being deceived by riches. But you go to richer countries and it's uh, very difficult to be able to reach them because they think, what? I don't have any real need, do I? So I believe that the Lord uses riches to bless us and allow us to do many things for his service. But I also believe the Lord can use riches to deceive people if they're not careful in the thinking they're okay with God when they're not. I believe Satan's the one that has the master hand behind that. But God is trying to say to us, listen, your spiritual life is not based on your riches. Your spiritual life is not based on your possessions. Your spiritual life is based upon whether you have received my son as your personal savior have you repented of your sin, and have you trusted in my son as your savior, then you have eternal life. It's not based on what your checkbook says, not based upon what your bank statement says, not based upon how big of a house you have or how many cars you have in the garage or any other toys. No, it's not that. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. And don't let riches rob you from the joy of knowing Christ as your savior. Now, after those three misconceptions are covered, When Jesus is talking to his disciples, Peter, who loves to speak up, we're all familiar with that, aren't we, speaks up and he brings up three things now that the Lord has to deal with. Three misconceptions of Peter. And it begins in verse 28 and goes down to verse 31. And the first one is this, serving Christ is not a commercial adventure or investment. Serving Christ is not a commercial adventure or investment. Look at verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Wow, if there's a blessing in giving everything up and following you, where are we coming to play in this? (laughs) It's kind of interesting. Peter asks the things that oftentimes others think but are too afraid to say. But the Lord makes it clear in this verse. And he says in verse 28, uh, Peter asked that question. He says, we've left all and followed thee thinking that it's a commercial adventure yeah, i've left everything i'm following you and what am i going to get in return but that's not the way it works does it it's not the idea that we serve or follow the lord because what's in it for me or we don't serve or follow the lord because what am i going to get out of it and you'll notice here in the second misconception that's dealt with by jesus it's this in verse 29 and it says and through 30 and it says this Serving Christ reaps rewards far beyond financial compensation. Serving Christ reaps rewards far beyond financial compensation. Listen to what is said in verse 29 and 30 as the Lord removes this misconception that, hey, this is not a a commercial adventure or investment. Jesus says, and he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, Mark 10, verse 29, there's no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Serving Christ Reaps rewards far beyond financial compensation. It's interesting. I had opportunity to speak at a church that we've never even visited before yesterday, and it was like magnetism. Uh, my wife and I w- walked into the church. We started meeting the people. We made a number of friendships. I was able to speak and found them very receptive to the word. And I thought to myself, "Wow." What a benefit we have in being God's servants and doing God's will. The Lord has just added to our life the richness of the fellowship of this church and this group of people. It's amazing. But that can be repeated over and over and over again in 40-some years of ministry. And I know that you can repeat that over and over again, too. It's not the idea that we're in the Lord's work for a financial gain. I hope our philosophy is like we said back in Proverbs. Don't make me rich. Don't make me poor. I don't want to trust in myself and I don't want to go about stealing. But Lord, just provide for me. Help me to be content. And Lord, help me to appreciate all of this wonderful spiritual family that becomes my inheritance as I'm serving you. If you left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, and mother, or wife, or children, lands, for my sake, in serving the Lord, what does he say? You'll receive a hundredfold now, and this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and the world to come eternal life. Serving Christ reaps rewards far beyond financial compensation. Now, Peter remembered that apparently because in Acts chapter 3, he makes a reference in verse 6. Do you remember that passage of scripture? In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, he meets a lame man and he makes a beautiful statement here. Acts chapter 3 and verse 6 says this. Um, um, Sorry, let me get the right one here. Acts chapter 3 and looking at verse 6. When Peter sees this man and this man fastens his eyes on Peter and John, Peter says to the man, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter recognized what? He recognized and, and as he witnessed to this man and this man comes to know Christ, he gains a brother. And again, it wasn't a financial gain. He didn't have any silver or gold to give, or the the lame man had no silver or gold to give, or Peter had no silver and gold to give. It wasn't a financial transaction. It was a blessed spiritual transaction that took place when Peter was able to share Christ and the man received Christ, and what a blessing it was. I'm sure every one of us listening today who live as a Christian and have done so for a number of years can go back over in our minds right now, all the different blessings that we've received, not necessarily financially, but all the different blessings we receive by being part of God's family, having come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that brings us to the third misconception of Peter, and it's clarified by Jesus in verse 31. But many that are first shall be last and last first. Listen to that again. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. What does that mean? Things are not always as they appear to be. Things are not always as they appear to be. In the context of what we're looking at regarding the rich young ruler and his finances and walking away grieved and the Lord dealing with his disciples and then dealing with Peter, I think we could be safe to say, you know, we don't know where somebody's really at spiritually, and we don't know what value a person really is to the Lord spiritually by just looking at the outward or looking at their income or their clothes or their car or anything of that nature. I believe there's going to be some widows that have cast both their mites that we don't even know that are going to find themselves uh, that says that many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Many that we may consider last are going to be first. Many that we think are really first are going to be considered last. God thankfully knows the heart and he's going to reward accordingly, isn't he? But there's a warning here of a misconception. Remember what the misconception is there again. It is a view or opinion that is incorrect because it is based on faulty thinking or understanding. And Peter, he's clarifying a misconception. Things are not always as they appear to be, especially when it comes to serving the Lord. Many that we observe to be first will end up being last, and many that observe to be last will end up being what? Will end up being first. So here we have, in this passage of scripture, Mark chapter 10, here we have the Lord Jesus Christ clearing up some misconceptions. And I'm just going to summarize the whole two-part series here very quickly by saying this. The misconceptions of the rich young ruler. Jesus is more than a teacher. He is God. Salvation is more than just keeping the law. Obedience is more than just external actions or appearance. The rich young ruler led an exemplary life, but he lacked eternal life. The misconceptions of the disciples? Possessions of great wealth is not always a sign of God's blessing. Possession of great wealth may deceive one in the thinking he's right with God. Possession of great wealth does not automatically eliminate one from salvation. It is good to have the things that money can buy, provided you don't lose the things that money cannot buy. The philosophy of money, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9, help me not to be rich, help me not to be poor, but help me to be content with what I have. The misconceptions of Peter, serving Christ is not a commercial adventure investment. Serving Christ reaps rewards far beyond financial compensation, and things are not always as they appear to be, especially when serving the Lord. You know, oftentimes we have misconceptions. We we under, don't understand things. Our knowledge is limited. We're still learning. After 45 years of pastoring, I'm still learning. I know you're still learning. And it's a wonderful thing that the Lord reveals to us the truth to clarify these misconceptions that we often have in our life. I think this passage of scripture is just wonderful, and I'm so grateful the Lord used it to help not only the rich young ruler, although he didn't receive that help, I'm sorry about that, he went away grieved, but to help his disciples as they were beginning their earthly ministry, and especially to help Peter, as he seems from the book of Acts, to have learned from this conversation. And I want us to think for a moment as we close out the message today. Remember, many today have the misconception that, he who dies with the most toys wins. Actually, he who dies serving the Lord can't lose. Think about that. Many today have the misconception, he who dies with the most toys wins. We see bumper stickers that say that, don't we? When actually, as we've learned these last two sessions, he who dies serving the Lord can't lose. This has been from the pastor's study. With Pastor Marty Macedo. And you may email me at F H M at gmail.com. It's m-a-s-i-t-t-o-f-h-m for fellow helpers ministries at gmail.com. And Lord willing, we'll post another episode next week. I trust the Lord will bless you. I trust you'll be able to do a little bit more reading and study on this passage of scripture. One thing I did think about with the podcast, which is an advantage you can stop me and start me whenever. So if I say something that you want to look at a little more carefully or think about, you just put pause. And then when you're ready, just put play. And you can just work your way through these passages. And hopefully they will be as much of a blessing to you as the Lord has used them to be a blessing to me. Thank you for listening. And I trust you have a great day. And Lord willing, we'll be back with you next week.